Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sesquicentennial. It has been a big year for St. Louis City's second largest park. But, of course, it's the only one on the National Register of Historic Places. Tower Grove Park is celebrating its 150th anniversary year, and the final event of the celebration is Sunday, October 23rd. It's a big, free, public birthday party in the center of the park. We'll have more on that in just a bit. But part of the festivities, too, has been the release of this gorgeous new book from Reedy Press. Local author Amanda Doyle is joining me. And, Amanda, congratulations on Tower Grove Park, Common Ground and Grateful Shade since 1870. Thank you so much. Now, I've checked in with you quite a bit over the past year or year and a half (laughs) as we've run into each other. And I know that this was probably a very difficult project to put your arms around because there's so much history. There's so much you could have put in here. And it's a a process of elimination as opposed to what am I going to put in it? Right. Yeah, you don't. When you have 150 years to work with, you never really think, how will I fill up these pages? Um, And there is a lot of history in the book. That's the sort of the uh, the focus point of the year is to celebrate this history. But there's also a lot in the book about how um, the park is used now and the meaning that it has now. Because the fact that we have a park that looks pretty much the same, only better, 150 years after its founding is is kind of astonishing. It'd be a lot easier for the park to not still be around than to be around. And so... I knew from the beginning and and the people at the park um, knew from the beginning that we wanted to have a lot of focus on the park now and what is the park going to do from here on. So so it's a, a cool mix of history and current use as well. Definitely. And gorgeous pictures. I mean, this is a uh, it's not a huge coffee table book. It's like the perfect size coffee table book that doesn't get in the way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's one you can still throw in your bag. <laughs> exactly. It's not like, well, we'll put that down and never lift it. So. <laughs> no, I've been walking around with it in my backpack for the last few days. <laughs> well, speaking of that history, let's talk a little bit about it because people realize that Tower Grove Park is a city park, but a lot of people don't realize that it operates completely differently than any other park in the city. Right. It was set up from the beginning. Um, folks may not know that it was endowed created by Henry Shaw, who also funded and established the Missouri Botanical Garden. And he had um, some interesting foresight, which I think is funny to look at now, especially now in a political season anyway. He kind of didn't trust um, local politics to take care of his park the way that he wanted it to. He didn't want it to be subject to, you know, whims and changes of things. So he established it as a separate entity. It is um, run separately, although concurrently with city parks. Um, they do cooperate, but it has its own uh, staff, its own board of commissioners. Uh, the commissioners actually have to be approved by the Missouri State Supreme Court. <laughs> so he, he set it up to be a part and to be um, run in the way that he thought it needed to be. And good for him because... It, you're right. It looks, if, if people have never been, it has, I believe, the largest collection of Victorian pavilions, mm-hmm. some of which date back to 1872 yep. or maybe even some before. Uh, and obviously the park has to do a lot of fundraising because a historic park like this doesn't really 
operate on city funds. Right. And things that have been around 150 years need a lot of attention and maintenance. You have to keep I mean, I that was the thing that I never thought about, honestly, having lived close to the park for more than 20 years. But just, you know, you're dealing with the sewer system that was laid out 150 years ago. And so how do you keep that updated and keep it going without turning it into looking just like a park you built yesterday. So it's it's quite a balancing act. Well, you and I have known the past two park directors pretty well. John Carroll, who really helped to bring the park back to its luster after mm-hmm. some some down years in South City. And now Bill Reiniger, who's doing an amazing job. But what I didn't realize until your talk at <laughs> Flower Power and, and seeing this book is the the Gurney family, I knew James Gurney had been one of the park uh, directors, but it was a family affair and a woman ran the park. Yeah, for sure. So the Gurneys, the first person who ran uh, Tower Grove Park who wasn't Henry Shaw was a Gurney, James Gurney Sr., who passed the job to his son, James Gurney Jr. And after James Jr. died, his daughter, Bernice, took over uh, in 1946. I believe I'm not staring right at it. I'm pretty sure that's right. And she was the superintendent for 33 years. So she's the longest serving park director that we've ever had. And we've had some with duration. And she also is the only woman who has ever held the job, definitely at a time when that was not a thing that women were doing. Um, so that kind of consistency for almost 90 years of one family, I think is another real reason that the park maintained its status because that's a, you know, that's a vision that's shared. And I'm sure they talked about it all the time as a family of what they wanted the legacy to be. So it's a real advantage to the park that we had that kind of tenure. Yeah. And Bunny. Go Bunny. Yeah. (laughs) Bernice. Yes. Bernice Bunny was her family nickname, (laughs) but she was the, you know, she was the woman running a staff of all men. So I don't think any of them were allowed to call her Bunny. I think she was (laughs) Miss Gurney to the staff. Well, I should hope so. (laughs) Uh, And even today, the park has continue to reflect on its history. We have this East Stream project that is going to be unveiled soon, which kind of returns a creek or a, a, a waterway that used to be in the park, mm-hmm. which was it closed because of cholera or, you know, it was, bad? it's hard to find the actual information, but it happened around the same time that River de Pere was kind of undergrounded. So I assume it was a sanitation yeah. situation where people were like, that's actually not that attractive. <laughs> Let's just put that underground. But also I think anyone who is, living around the park as we do know that it is basically the essential anchor for bringing all of the neighborhoods around the park back. Right. And it, you know, it's interesting because it was always that from the beginning, all the neighborhoods understood its value and used its value. And, you know, a lot of those neighborhoods, the park was there before a lot of the residences were. So it was a real attractive point. But um, one of the things I found out writing the book, speaking with John Carroll, the former director, he was um, in charge when the park got its National Historic Landmark status. And he said he really thought that was the game changer for the park because it gave them kind of a prestige that allowed them to to step up to that regional asset level to say we're not just a, neighbor, a cool neighborhood park. You know, we're we're um, an important part of the whole region. We have these environmental benefits. We have these recreational benefits. Um, and so I think it definitely grew beyond just the neighborhoods at that point. Yeah, and it's an arboretum. It is a... A bird sanctuary. A bird sanctuary. It's so many things. And yeah. also the home of some of our favorite festivals and so much more. Absolutely. And and kickball. <laughs> and kickball. It is the season when I look and think, oh, it's 90% kickball in the park. So. And, and, uh, the, and the farmer's market and so much more. Yeah. So if you've ever been interested at all, even remotely in Tower Grove Park, <laughs> I would highly recommend this book. It is absolutely beautiful, colorful, chock full of photos, Tower Grove Park. Common Ground in Grateful Shade since 1872. It is by 
Amanda Doyle. Um, also reminding people Sunday to stop by the birthday party, which goes from, I believe, 11 to 4. That's right. We're going to have birthday cake. There'll be, I, I understand there will be puppies. There'll be <laughs> musicians, children's entertainment, food trucks. Mm-hmm. So this is the final public celebration of an amazing park. Yes, I'll be there uh, with books as well. So if people want to eyeball some of these great historic photos, please come flip through a book. I'll be sitting at a table just waiting for you. (laughs) That is Amanda Doyle, and happy birthday to Tower Grove Park. And thanks for joining us here on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.